Hello. Hey. <clears throat> hey, what's up? Nothing. What's going on? Not much. Just waiting for you. Waiting for you to call me. I'm gonna just finished up a dinner. Oh, okay. So, chilling outside? Me? No. I could. <clears throat> probably would be better for the kids to get their dishes and everything done. I probably could go out that way. Uh, okay. All right, man. Well, you want to do a Bible study? You got a topic? Do I have a topic? Yeah, yeah. Are you going to continue in Hebrews? or? Yeah, we could do that. Yeah. Continue in Hebrews. <clears throat> Let me get set up out there. Hey, Jenna. Yeah, I got a topic. Continue in Hebrews. Where were we at in Hebrews? I don't remember. Oh, yeah. Uh, verse uh, chapter one or something like that, maybe chapter two. Yeah. Let's see here. God with sundry times, verse one, and in diverse manners, faith and time past. Unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. Who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of majesty on high. Yep. We read that before, right? Oh, yeah. I don't know where we're at. Maybe. 6-11 is the last place we were at. Verse 11, okay. So, probably 12. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Okay. You want to start reading? Yeah. Come on. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 12. And as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. Okay, so we got to get the context of that and, right? Uh, verse 11, they shall perish, so we got to go farther. Verse 10, and thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth. Okay, I guess we went way back there, because... We're talking about the beginning and we're talking about the foundation of the earth. Okay. And the heavens are the works of thy hand. They shall perish. So, okay, we see what they are. The heavens shall perish. But thou remainest. And they shall wax old of the garment. And a vesture shall thou fold them up. And they shall be changed. So he's talking about the heavens and the works of his hand. <clears throat> uh, 
Okay. Uh, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. Uh, I like that right there. It says, and they shall be changed. Um, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, when the trumpet shall sound, the dead in Christ shall rise. I like that because we change uh, with the calling of the Lord when he calls. He shall be changed. Mm-hmm. I like that. We'll be changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Second Corinthians three eighteen. Yeah, I was talking about um, after the rapture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it sounds like more like millennium after the millennium as well. You know, the vast uh, the earth and the heaven should be changed. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but to which of the angels said he at any time, sit down at that right hand so I make thine enemies thy footstool? question okay so he's talking about heaven he's talking about the foundation of the earth he's talking about they shall perish they're talking about that they shall wax old as stuff the garment and as the vesture thou shalt fold them up Yeah, they shall perish, but thou remainest. Yeah. They shall wax old as a garment. Okay, so maybe we're dealing with the heavenly, because we're talking about the heavens, and the angels reside in the heavens. Yeah, well, it might be, because of verse 10, it says, in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of his hands. Mm-hmm. We shall perish. We'd have to go back a little further, I guess. Yeah. Well, what I was trying to get at is that is that even if the heavens and if they fold it up, if they flee, where would the angels, where would everybody be, you know? Um, because God remains. So, but he didn't say to any of the angels, sit down at my right hand. He said that to his only begotten son. And his only begotten son is the one that made the way that we are able to be able to um, enter into we can have forgiven of sins and we can enter into heaven by his sacrifice and our sins can be forgiven. But look what it says about another part in angels in verse 4, being made so much better than the angels as he asked by an inheritance obtained a more excellent name today. See, it's Christ Jesus' name. Not these angels or anybody else, you know? Yeah. And this is interesting. Verse 14, are they not all ministering spirits set forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Okay. Well, who are they in that? Who's they in that verse? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Sounds like the angels. Sounds like the angels to me, too. You know, and they're they're spirits. Okay, they're ministering spirits. Pretty interesting. They're sent forth to minister for them who shall be the heirs of salvation. Mm -hmm. A good reference would be Genesis 19. Okay, what's that? Well, Genesis 19 and verse 6 is Abraham. Okay. 
Okay, in 1823, Abraham intercedes on the behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah for his nephew Lot. Right? And then the angels visit Lot and they okay, and there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom and Lot seen then rose up and met them. He bowed himself with his face toward the ground, and he said, Behold, now, my Lord, turn in and pray you mm-hmm. into your servant's house. When you see where it happened, and they're like, No, let's go, let's get out of here. But they wouldn't let him do it, you know, and he persuaded them to come into the house. So you could see that they're ministering spirits in that way. Yeah, which is good though, Jay. It shows, I think. Do you think that it shows that that angels aren't the way of salvation? Yes, absolutely. They are ministering spirits, but they aren't. They are not the way of salvation. I don't know if that's the point of what this is or not. It could be because. Even if they are ministering spirits, they can't give you the quickening of the spirit, which is by Jesus Christ and him raising from the dead. Which you know, which eliminates every person we'll ever meet in our life. Exactly. Yeah. Eliminates the need for every person, uh, a connection to something, or, uh, you know, some people have connections with statues and figurines and superstitious and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we also see that they're sent forth. You know, sent forth from who? Mm-hmm. Probably the Father of Lights, right? Yeah. Father of Light, Jesus Christ, God Almighty. Therefore, okay, so we see that. Uh, in verse 14, that's the last verse of that. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest seed to the things which we have heard, lest that any means we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience receives a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. For unto the angels, Hath he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak? But one in a certain place testifies, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is put under him. But now we see not yet our, uh, all things put under him. That's a lot. Yeah. I think it's talking a little bit about what we were just saying. Yeah. Just the Lord the Lord's way. His worthy. Jesus Christ and the Word of God, Jay, are so connected together. <laughs> Oh, they're one. Yeah. I don't think they're separate. Yeah, no, they're not. 
that's how that's how God is able to keep his word pure. Yeah. So that no man can pervert it, you know. Yeah. Or else, Amen. or else somebody would come and say, "Oh, worship this or worship that." But he he put all that under his feet through Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Yeah. Which verse did you end up on? Stop reading there. Nine. Well, let's keep going. Hold on a second. Go to Job 7.17. Verse 6, it says, But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Job 7.17. Well, it's 18. And that thou should visit him every morning and try him every moment. How long wilt thou not depart from me? Mm-hmm. Nor let me alone till I swallow down my spittle. I have sinned. What shall I do unto thee, O thou preserver of men? Mm-hmm. Amen. So 17, what is man that thou should should just be mindful of him. Um, That's Job speaking to God in anguish, right? Mm -hmm. Verse 11, therefore I will not restrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Am I a sea or a whale that thou sayest to watch over me? Set us to watch over me. When I say my bed shall comfort me, my couch shall ease my com- complaint. Then shalt thou scarce, see, uh, then thou secret scarest me with dreams. Ugh, terrifying with your vision. Wow, what is man? Yeah, well, it says, what is man, how should us magnify him? I almost wonder if that's talking about Christ. What do you think? I didn't, I read right over that, man. Yes, absolutely. Because we're dealing with, we're dealing with the incarnation of God in the flesh right here. Verse 13 of one. Did he say to the angel, sit thou at my right hand until thy enemies, till I make thine enemies thy footstool? That's Jesus Christ that God said that to. You know, that was promised. Yeah. I mean, when does God magnify man? It seems like that happened in Christ Jesus, right? Well, that would be the only man that God has ever magnified, you know, Jesus Christ. Right? Yeah, and then we're magnified in him. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. All right. Verse 9, want me to keep going? Yeah. Okay. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, 
for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. That's Christ speaking. Amen. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest to things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to secure them that are tempted. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who is faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath built the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after but Christ as a son over his house, whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Now, how is that a Jewish book? Yeah, yeah, I don't think it is. Okay. I'm going to point out that there's no way. Just because he mentions Moses, it's all for our example. It's all for our learning. It's all for our admonition. Ad, adam, how do you say that? Admonition? Admonition. It's all for that. So we can learn so we don't sin against God. Yeah. But seven, wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation, and said, They do always err in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. So I swear my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Close parenthesis. Okay, wherefore, 7, 12, take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you any evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Okay, like what? Take heed, like the finishing verses, as the Holy Ghost says today, if thou wilt hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Just like the nation of Israel hardened their hearts in the day that God was given them the law. They made idols. They, they, they did whatever they did, you know, to, for that idol, to that idol, whatever it was, to each other. It was wickedness. And that day they hardened their hearts and they tempted the Lord in the wilderness. They tempted the Lord in the wilderness. 
by saying that give us meat. And the Lord sent them quail. They hardened their hearts once again. See, God is, every man is tempted when he's drawn away with his own lust and enticed. You know, his own lust. When you're drawn away by our own lust, that's what we go after. You know, like a bloodhound on a scent is right after that thing. But God makes a way through that temptation of an escape. Okay? We, he makes an escape for this temptation of excuses that we can make through Christ Jesus as well. We don't need to have that anymore. We can live for Christ. We can live in him. We can abide in him. We need to believe in him. Yeah. So verse 12, take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you, in any of you, see, in, it starts in the heart, right? Harden not your hearts, right? Deception, lie, you know, it all comes from the heart, okay? Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, okay? Unbelief in what? Unbelief of the faith. What is the faith? The faith is the same as what Abraham had. He believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness, right? He believed God with his whole heart. Romans chapter 4, right? Yeah. Um, evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So people can depart from the living God. Galatians chapter 5 is put there, and it's not put there for my defense so I can justify me getting in the flesh. I can justify myself as sinning against God. That's not why it's there. It's there to help me to understand that I am going to have struggles in this world, in this flesh, because I am now a child of light and darkness is still veiled about me. Because my body, this house, this tabernacle, has not yet been caught up to meet the Lord in the air. It's still here. Can I live a life of, of righteousness in the earth? Yes. God gives us the ability to do that through the Holy Spirit. And what is that? Walk after the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So therefore, we need to read the Bible, know what's right, know what God wants us to do, know what God, wa what God wants us to do. And we obey those things, and we live in those things. All right? If you have faith, have it to thyself. The Lord gave you something, you live by that something. If you could bless someone, that's great. But it's not it's not a uh, pin this tail on the donkey type of thing, you know? Because mm -hmm. it's it goes right into there. Verse 13, but exhort one another daily while it's called today. See, that is why we're supposed to exhort, we're supposed to build up one another. Because as you can see in verse 7, in the parentheses, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear his voice. But look what it says, but exhort one another daily while it is called today. Wait a minute. If you were to hear the voice of the Lord today, your heart can be, you can be delivered from temptation. Your heart wouldn't be hardened, right? Right. So the Lord is saying, brethren, sisters in Christ, exhort one another daily why it is called today. Because we have the tendency to allow our hearts to be hardened towards the word of God. We, we allow our hearts to be hardened during the, the provocation. We allow the day of temptation in the wilderness to overtake us. We allow our fathers and what they do brand us for life. And that's not what God is. That is not who we need to have our lives branded after. We need to be molded into the image of Jesus Christ. 
shaping to what he wants us to be. But he's not going to force that peg. He's not going to force that peg into a, an area that it doesn't fit. He is wanting for this to be willful from the heart, believing God, trusting him, obeying him, and trusting what he wants for your life. So we need to exhort one another. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. See, it's all connected. We don't need to exhort one another to get out, but go into the temptation, go into the wilderness, to go harden our hearts even more. We don't need that type of temptation. We don't need that type of evil uh, communication brought before us. We need to be lifted up and built up and helped. Um, and matters where we, if we can help, you know, and there's different areas of that. But the reason behind it is to help the brother or sister uh, not be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And you see, harden not your heart as in the provocation, the deceitfulness of sin, Okay. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Verse 14, for we are made partakers of Christ. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Well, what is that? That's salvation, right? <laughs> well, wait a minute. If this is just Jews, how could it be salvation? For so your arguments shot out of the water there, right? Mm-hmm. If it's Jews during the tribulation, because we see the end, well, the end always, uh, the end always in the Bible doesn't always mean the end of the world, you know, uh, to be at the end of the street. <laughs> so on, so I don't know. It's not like that. Yeah. Well, and it's, I guess this indication is. Yeah, there's a possibility it's talking about when you become saved. I'm not sure. Yeah. For we are partakers of Christ's salvation if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart, that's in the provocation. Yeah. For some, when they had, verse 16, had heard, did provoke. Howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. Uh, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whose swear, and to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. So we see that they cannot enter in because of unbelief. I think you just had to read a little bit farther to get the understanding of that verse. And he's dealing with unbelief. It's just not a matter of saying that you have faith. It's a matter of where is your faith? Where's your works to prove your faith? Well, it sounds like you know? this is salvation here, right? Go ahead, explain it. Well, okay. I mean, we know that that we cannot enter into heaven or a relationship with God without Christ and without salvation. And when you get down here towards the end of the chapter, it's talking about not not being able to enter in because of unbelief. And we know that you don't enter in because of unbelief. So when you fast rewind it up here to verse 14, it says, for we are made partakers of Christ. Okay, so Jesus Christ walked on this earth and died for our sins, for everybody here. Anybody can partake in that. Now, if we hold fast to that unto salvation, then we can become saved. 
So, so you know, reading through this little portion of uh, scripture here, I don't see anywhere where it's talking about the end times. It looks to me like it's more talking about salvation. Yeah. Well, steadfast unto the end, I would say today. Yeah. I mean, that, that could be that could be that seed that's planted, you know, one by the wayside and another in thorny ground. I mean, that could be what it's. Well, I think about. it's just a clear difference between unbelief and belief. If you believe God, you're going to obey God. As Moses, when he wandered in the wilderness with the unbelieving children of Israel. And he never entered the promised land. One, because of his disobedience. But he never got to do it. For 40 years, he wandered. You know, I think that personally, I could see that if we would allow, if we would allow the Holy Spirit to allow us to hear this, I think it's a reflection in my own heart to warn me that it is so easy just to fall back into the mundane, routine thing. The nation of Israel cried out and said, man, send us back to Egypt. And God said to Moses, he said, the voice of the cry of my people has came unto me. And that same cry of their bondage and of their affliction, that same cry was against God. And you can, you could be a partaker or not a partaker. Now this is giving us a light of Christ, which they did not have that back then. He was there. He followed them in the wilderness, right? Uh That rock, that spiritual rock, that was with them. The manna from heaven was a picture of Jesus Christ. The lamb that they shed the blood and put over the doorpost when the Lord exodus, when they left, you know, the redemption and what their Passover and sacred uh, holidays are that they, uh, that the nation of Israel hold to. Yeah. All of that. And I look at this and it's just like, I could fall away too. I'm a partaker of this. Now, I'm not talking about falling away to lose your salvation. No, we're not talking about that. But, I mean, I would rather be on the ship than the anchor, which is cast into the sea, you know what I mean? That's Christ. He's the anchor. He's the one that holds the ship together. I said that wrong about Christ and the anchor. Yeah. Because I'm thinking of being a castaway. Like, you don't want to be a castaway in Christ. You want to be able to keep on going and living for him. Do you you see any of these things, like the reference here to Moses, as like for a Christian or for us after the times of Moses? as an example of what we go through in our personal life and our personal journey with God? That's what I'm getting at right now. That's what I'm saying. That I think this is an exhortation. Look, exhort one another, verse 13. And then he's, he's saying in here that, hey, for we are made partakers if we hold fast our confession, steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, you know, think about for some when they heard they provoked. If you think about Moses and Israel, the journey in the wilderness, and then you think about what John the Baptist said, you know, the voice, the one crying in the wilderness. You think there's a connection between that? About like. Jesus Christ is here. I mean, that's so we went through a personal journey through life and God's revealed himself to us through creation. 
and that's like the wilderness, you know, to us. And then John, one day, the Messiah, the Savior, our Lord was here. And then John the Baptist cried out, this is, you know, I'm the one, the voice in the wilderness. Uh, behold, here's the Lamb of God. You think this has any reference with that at all? And then here, when you get to chap, uh, verse 18 here, talking about to whom he swore that he should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. You think that any reference at all to salvation? Well, the opposite of salvation, rejecting salvation, because it talks about they believe not. Mm -hmm. You know, it's given them a comparison that even though that we are followers of Christ, we're made partakers of Christ, we have a flesh that can go away like Israel did in the wilderness. We can go right after that same appetite and get fallen away. Uh, all we like sheep is going astray. You know, every one of us is turned to his own. <clears throat> and I, I know that The goal is not for users as a cloak to go do these things, but I find it to be a comfort. But I'm not sure what you're asking either, and so I'm sorry. Um, I'm just talking about when you're born here, you know, and then before you get saved, we're like walking through the wilderness, right? Mm -hmm. And... To make the promised land or, or to make, you know, a reconciliation with God, it uh, requires belief. I mean, we have to believe in God. That's, the you know, faith in Christ. Well, that he died, yeah. you know, was buried and rose again, you know, three days later. I was just wondering if this was more of a personal you know, a personal allegory here talking about the process of faith and coming to the Lord. But I see what you're saying as far as talking about, you know, the process of our life after we become saved also, that we can fall away, you know, and not live righteously. Yeah. I'll take it for granted because look at 401. Look what it says. Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. It's, it's, it's not saying you could lose your salvation, but it's saying, look at him, we're bought with a price. What's that mean to enter into his rest, though? Is that salvation? Or, or is that just having your heart settled and, and peaceful and having, you know, the gifts of the Spirit there and all those things? Well, a promise of entering into his rest, I would have to say that there's a promise that we have on earth that if we obey him, we have fellowship and peace with him, right? We have rest in that, in that fellowship and that walk in this earth. And then you have the rest for our, our, uh, our, I guess our flesh, I guess. What do you call that? When we rise, the salvation? Uh huh. There's that comfort and hope and rest there. Right. Mm hmm. Well, verse 2 is talking about the gospel. 
For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. See, that's why I believe it. I believe it's, see what I'm saying here? Is that he's given us this truth of the nation of Israel and what they did. And he's saying, look, brother, Hebrew brothers that believes in Christ, your partakers, don't go back like everybody else goes back. Don't don't run away like our fathers did. Don't put your head in the sand. Don't make a golden calf. Wait. Wait for me. Rest at the base of the Mount Sinai. Don't create. Don't raise up a priest up for yourself. Don't get all your money together and make yourself an image. Wait on the Lord. Right? Mm-hmm. And then when you're waiting, you're resting, Aaron. You're resting in the Lord when you're waiting. When you're having confidence that he is the one that's making the moves for you instead of you making the moves for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. But for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith in that, that in them that heard it. You see? It's not mixed with faith. They didn't believe. It was all unbelief. Yeah, well, they never got saved. Yeah. Well, that would fall into what you're mm-hmm. saying. For we which have believed do enter into this rest. So there's your answer to your question about rest. Enter into his rest. Any of you seem to come short of it, for unto us the gospel is preached. And he's dealing, if you keep in mind that he's dealing with Hebrew Jews, right? That, that have just believed a risen Savior. This wit, probably in some cases, Witness, depending on when this book was written, witness the Lamb of God being slain, right? Mm-hmm. And they believed it after they heard the report of the disciples that he rose from the dead. And so they believe in this report of Jesus Christ, who, you know, was the talk of all of the land, you know? And then he's like, don't go back to those weak and beggarly elements, which he's going to get into that, whereby you can't be saved. Don't go back to that. Let's go on. Forget the wilderness. Let's go on unto perfection. Let's go on. We have entered into the rest. We believe. Let's no longer linger at the bottom of the mountain. Let's go on. We've waited. We believe the gospel. Now let's go. The Lord said we can enter into what? Rest. The promised land. We can enter into it. Yeah. But if you don't believe that, you're going to just wander. Well, that's, that's kind of the point that I was getting at there, though, when it says you have to, you know, let's just say endure to the end or something hold fast until the end yeah that's not talking about losing salvation at all yeah verse 14 verse 14 that's what I that's what that's where I was getting at with this that it that isn't losing yeah. your salvation that's that's talking about your journey to salvation if if you give up before you get saved, then you're not going to end their end because of unbelief. Do you know what I mean? Mm. If we look here mm-hmm. in, in uh, chapter 4, there's a promise made in verse 1. Verse 2, the gospel's preached. Verse 3, we that have entered into his rest... Um, 
to me, it's 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 uh, it's just reflecting our journey to salvation. It's not talking anything about losing your salvation, which which churches that preach losing salvation, you know, they go they go there to Hebrews chapter three. I mean, is the promised land, Jay, our salvation, or is it heaven? No, that's just a picture in the Old Testament of, no, we're, we're, the church is different, man, but that's just a picture to show us of what they, uh, what the nation of Israel had, had promised from God. What was promised from God? Yeah, but I mean, you could say the promised land is entering into His rest. So you could say that. I mean, that's clearly talking about salvation. It's not talking about losing your salvation. Well, remember, this is just giving us the insight. It's an example. It's an allegory. It's to help us to have understanding what we have in Christ. Now, the promised land for the nation of Israel is a picture of the nation resting in the land that was promised, right? So the allegory is showing us that spiritually, when we believe in Christ, we are not partakers in Christ. We have entered into Christ. He's our rest. We've entered into that land. We've entered into him. He's it. Jerusalem. Exactly. exactly. That's why that, that verse about wait until the end, uh, hold fast till the end is, isn't talking about losing your salvation. No. It's talking about holding out. Don't give up. Keep going on. Keep fighting. Fight the good fight of faith. Continue. March on as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Get going. The time is short. Is the time to arise out of sleep, right? You know what I'm saying? That's what he's. I I believe that with all my heart. What he's trying to say here, saying, "Look, man, don't give up. Don't get deceived. There's many deceivers that are out there that are going to be coming in my name, saying, "Lo, here I am," or "Lo, there I am." Many don't believe them. Keep going. Keep going with the faith. Oh, but they say that I'm not loving anymore. What do you mean? God is love. But the message is so cruel that Jesus died for you because you're a sinner. Oh, just keep going. Don't change. God's not changed. His salvation is there. You should, you should grow in compassion. You should have love. Anyway, and I'm not trying to speak that you shouldn't, but if someone heard that, you must have that all as well. You know, you should. Mm-hmm. Towards those that are lost, you know? <clears throat> Where did we get through? Three? Are we on? Uh, this part of three, for we which have believed, all right, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, do enter into rest, as he saith, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest. Also, uh, all the, uh, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he spake in a certain place of the seventh day, on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. So he goes back to the seventh day when God rested from all that he created. The Lord goes all the way back there saying we've entered into that foundation from that world when he rested then. We have entered into that Sabbath. Oh, we're Sabbath keepers, Aaron. Because Christ kept the Sabbath. Because Christ is the Passover. Yeah, well, Christ is our rest. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's our Passover. He's our... Yeah. He's our he even Thanks. said that somewhere in the uh, Gospels. I forget which verse that is. What's that? He's talking about him being the fulfillment of the Sabbath and you know he is our rest. When they when they asked him why he's you know working on the Sabbath when he went through that field and, and gathered some food. Um the Lord yeah. of the Sabbath. And he was showing that he, he is he is our rest. He is our Sabbath. Mm. <clears throat> so we have I spoke Sabbath. Um S A B B A T H Two Bs? Mm, let me look here. Yeah, two Bs. E-T-H? Um, and Bath, B-A-T-H. Oh, A-T-H. Bath, but yeah. I think you might be talking about John chapter uh, 5. Okay, let's see. What verse? Starting at 9. Immediately the man was made whole. Yeah. And took up He's his going. bed and walked. And on the same day it was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is a Sabbath day. It's not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. And he answered them, He that made me whole, the same, said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then they asked him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away. And a multitude being in that place. Let me keep reading here. Yeah, I think it, here, um, yeah, I'll start. After Jesus findeth the temple, he saith unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing cometh on thee. And the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute him and sought to slay him, because he had done this, these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, Father, my father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because not only had he broken the Sabbath, but he also uh, uh, but said also that God was his father making him equal with God. Now that's not it. I thought that was yeah. it. I think it was whenever he was uh, collecting the food, the corn or whatever, collecting food on the Sabbath day and they had asked him Um, Luke thirteen ten no fourteen chapter fourteen no chapter thirteen verse fourteen I think I don't know 
this just goes in there talking about that they would do the same thing on the Sabbath day. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know which verse it was when he gathered the food together. Anyway. Yeah. Um. Well, we could stop there because it's eight oh six. If you want. Yeah. Yeah. My wife. Wife will be up soon. It's hard to uh, keep her occupied okay. and stuff because you know she's super duper duper bored. Mm, okay. Trying to help to keep her spirits up, you know. Yeah. Okay, brother. Alrighty. We'll pick up where we left off next time. Yeah, verse uh, four, verse six. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right, brother.